0: welcome you to episode 17 of Moving Matters. I am your host Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight into others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest started in the industry some 20 years ago before forming his own company. We discuss his gift box scheme, the challenges he's faced, the two things he would change from his past, his high points, the changes he would make within the industry, the advice he would give to a younger self, where he sees his company in the industry in the next five years, and what he does outside of the industry. And as always, we end with a funny moving story involving a deeply religious 85 year old lady and her four goldfish. My guest this episode is Danny Pollard, Managing Director of Pollard's Moving and Storage. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Danny. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, Colin. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast.
0: You're very welcome. Welcome to Moving Matters. Thank you. Can you tell everyone a little about yourself and the length of time in the industry? Certainly.
1: My name is Danny Pollard. My company is Pollard's Moving Storage Limited. This year I've been in the industry 20 years and it will be 16 years in May since I formed my own company.
0: And how did you get started in the industry?
2: Well, looking
1: back, I suppose from a young age, I was always going to try and work for myself. My first job was in a bakery on a Saturday morning at 4am at 14 years old. And I did that for a couple of years before I discovered beer and going (laughs) out. And I thoroughly... I thoroughly enjoyed that and I thoroughly enjoyed earning money and having a desire to do well in work. When I was around 15 or 16, and six week holidays, for instance, a lot of my mates were out doing whatever. I was decorating for people, decorating houses, and earning pocket money because I always wanted to work. I then, when I had my first job, Where that led from was I left school. I went to college to do a BTEC in business and finance. I did the first year and I absolutely hated the people, hated the lecturers. I told my parents that I didn't want to go back. And my dad said, you're going back. You're going to succeed at doing this. So I thought, well, I'll show you. So for three months, I used to get up at the same time as them, leave the house. And I used to just walk for a few miles, and then I used to come back after they'd gone to work, and I used to let myself into my room and go back to bed. (laughs) Until around three months later, my dad came home from work and woke me up, and I got into a little bit of trouble. But to be fair to my mum, my mum was fully supportive, and she said to my dad, well... He told you that he didn't want to go back. And you know he's a stubborn sod, so why are you not listening to him? And he just said, well, you're getting a job. And I said, well, that's fair enough. So the next day I saw a storekeeper job in Dewsbury near us in engineering. And I got that job at the interview because my dad came with me to the interview. And the employer loved the fact that my dad had come with me to the interview and wanted me to do well so I got the job there and then and I worked myself up to the company buyer in that company but whilst I were there as well on weekends and evenings I had a little valeting business on the side to earn extra money and I used to work every hour and every weekend that God would send so overtime was never an issue and I think that really put a work ethic in me but I also loved earning money on the side. And I think eventually that was always going to lead me into working for myself. So I worked my way up in that company to be the company buyer. And unfortunately, there was a loss of work within that industry. And I lost my job in 97. And so I'd done six or seven years of that company. And I went to work for a firm in the same industry in Leeds, Until I was made redundant in 2001. And that is when I then got into the removals industry. Completely by accident, to be honest with you. While I was out of work, I mentioned to a friend of mine in the pub. A great bloke, a great Scottish man called Gavin Littlejohn. To say I was out of work. And he said, well, I've got a little bit of part-time work if you fancy helping me out. And he had a small... Little more man and van type of company and a truck a company called Instant Relay in Halifax. Whilst I was going for interviews, I was applying for company buyer positions in in a similar industry that I'd been in before. I helped Gavin out, and also really it was more other people from the pub, friends of his, that would just help him out. So it was more man and vanish you know, with all due respect to Gavin, amateur issues. His um, his toolkit, I remember, was his granddad's satchel with broken screwdrivers and whatnot. He He never literally bought a truck. It was always rented vehicles. The blankets were bedspreads. So I wasn't really introduced to a professional start in this industry. Gavin, though, he was a fantastic man and probably too generous and I think everybody took advantage of him over the years but he always had aspirations with other businesses as well he was a dreamer and was what to do more and he's actually become very very successful in his career now in Scotland away from removals and I did the removals for him for around 12 months going up and down the country and I absolutely loved Meeting people, I got a real bug for the industry. So, my interviews, even though I was getting down to the last two people all the time, I really wasn't giving it full concentration because I'd just fallen in love with that industry. And one day it got very quiet, and I asked him where he got his work from. And he was recommended by this little estate agent in Brig House, which is about four or five miles away from Halifax. I'd had a little bit of experience. In sales background, and I thought I could develop it for him. So I developed over probably 12 months relationships with local estate agents and I helped him develop his business. Within two or three years, I would say around three to five fold on turnover. But he never invested, he went bust once, was about to do it again. And I thought, why am I now supporting Gavin? When I feel I can do this on my own.
0: Yeah, I totally get that.
1: So I went away and I wrote a basic business plan and I spoke to my mum and dad and they gave me a little loan in May 2005 and I started Pollards. I had two trucks which I played around £2,000 for one and I took on the lease of the old truck that instant relay the company went bust had just bought within the last year so i adapted that one of the biggest mistakes i don't mind saying Colin, one of the biggest mistakes i made was i bought the telephone number from instant relay to get the phones ringing well let's just say that company didn't have the best reputation so it was hard Starting out and and trying to get Pollard's recognised when people were ringing with complaints and that wasn't easy to turn around. So I would think that was one of my few mistakes I made early on in business.
0: So can you tell everyone about your company and the services it offers?
1: So my company is Pollard's Moving and Storage. And actually, the limited company is Removals and Storage UK Limited. That's because we have two trading divisions, which are Wade Removals and Pollard's Moving and Storage. So in 2009-10, I bought out our competitors. So we had two trading divisions. Really, we just operate under the Pollard's brand. And predominantly, Colin, we are domestic home moving services. But we do now aim at the higher end of the market. We also offer... Containerized storage. We've got a 10,000 square foot storage facility, which we actually share with another BAR member. We carry out commercial moves and we do European and overseas, but we subcontract all of that work on a smaller scale.
0: So when you say you aim for the higher end of the market, what exactly is the higher end of the market? Well, in Yorkshire,
1: the Pricing bracket is completely different, for instance, to the south. So, we do not market a single property below 250,000 in our area. We are quite specific in what we market and what postcodes that we market to. And over the years, you know, with software that we've used, we do monitor everything stringently, monitor everything that we gain or do not gain through our marketing. Marketing for me is a passion, and it's a strong area, I would say, that I focus on. And we, we aim at the higher end of the market because we've now got that reputation that people come to us because of the capacity and the number of staff that we have. And I do believe that we excel at delivering that service
2: to that clientele.
0: And you collaborate with local charities? on a gift box scheme. Care to explain to our listeners what this entails?
1: The gift box scheme is on our website. So people that are moving houses before the pandemic, for instance, we give them the boxes and they pack up their unwanted items. And when we move them on moving day, rather than them taking them to the charity shops, we will bring that back to store We'll fill a storage container full of items. And then when the volume gets large enough, we then use to deliver those items to local charity shops for them to sell. But it also helps the charity shops, and it also helps the customer to distribute it to
2: good charities and good causes.
0: And are these then just normal moving boxes, or do you have any sort of special boxes that you give them?
1: It's just standard moving boxes because it could be a larger box that need cuddly old children's yeah. toys or children's books for the smaller boxes and yeah, yeah. kitchen items. But not standard So they boxes. would just
0: label it up to say that this is our gift box or these are our gift boxes. Correct. And you've been doing that for 10 years plus, I believe. Yes. What made you get into that right from the word go then?
1: We support in the main... A local charity called the Laura Crane Youth Cancer Trust. And it came on the back of that, really, thinking that we can help others. Yeah. And it was just an idea, a marketing idea, really, to help our customer another service. We're all about adding value. And I just thought if we can help them get those items elsewhere, then it may attract them to using our services. And helping the charities, especially local charities, selling items. But of course, at the moment, it's very difficult to distribute those items. So at the moment, we can't take them in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. While people are in the midst of moving and packing items, this is the perfect opportunity to say, look, you know, if you don't want to take that from A to B, then please give it to us and we will distribute it to the local charities that can do something with it. I think it's great.
2: Yeah, that's correct.
0: So what challenges have you had to overcome then,
2: Danny? That's a very good question. And I did
1: have to think about this. And there's both personal and business, really. So the hardest thing I've ever had to overcome was I went through a separation in 2009 and my ex-wife left me and also left my children. So that was in the middle of a recession, I'd just bought out our competitors at the time. And Jessica, my daughter, was aged four. And Jacob, my son, was aged six at the time.
0: Very young age.
1: And now, you know, they're 18 and 16. Jacob is now in his first year of studying aerospace engineering at university. And Jessica won't be doing her GCSEs this year, but she's looking at an interest in law. That's been my most proud achievement, but personally, the biggest challenge I have ever faced.
0: And in business? The last recession,
1: which falls into becoming a single parent as well. The last recession was horrendous. The business, I don't mind telling you, was in huge financial difficulties. And actually, at the time, I was really all for folding the business. And I was introduced to my wife now, Nikki who was no doubt been the most positive influence on my life. So when I met Nikki, I'd literally, the business was tens of thousands of pounds overdrawn, I was running old banners at a thousand pounds a time that were blowing up and leaving me stranded at the side of the road. And I didn't really believe in myself at the time. So I really have got a lot to thank her for. And I think the business is where it's standing today because of her positive influence. I suppose I was a glass-half-empty person, where I'm more a glass-half-full person now, hopefully. I have my moments, but really I think I've got a lot to be thankful for compared to what I was 11, 12 years ago, Colin. Does she work in the business, Danny? No, she doesn't work in the business. She did an hour uh, within the last year or so when we had killed each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, we do clash. We are two different people and we do, <laughs> we do clash. But she would never survive. The second, I would say, one of the other areas is the um, current lockdown. This has been one of the most challenges factors. So I actually closed the business on the 24th of March last year, Colin. And I postponed around 30 house moves. Refunding thousands of pounds and people had to move themselves or maybe use a smaller company. That was really, really hard, making those phone calls. And you felt you were letting people down. And I struggled with that because I also felt I was letting my staff down. And I felt like I was letting my family down because my staff really, they are like my family. I do look after my staff and I do believe in they put the business where it is today.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: After two or three weeks of watching Netflix, my wife gave me a kick up the ass, and I started to go back into the office to plan. Really, you know, plan our return and what we would do upon a return, and the changes that we needed to make. So yes, we we have we completely really changed the op- way we operate within the last year. So my staff have got guidance. My customers have got the correct guidance. And one of the big factors that we had was daily information from the British Association removers and that was just a tremendous help on a day to we got on a day to day basis. And it was great, you know, for me and Stud and his team, that really helped me focus and plan. And obviously we had the furlough scheme which we still have. And that was a real help with the business. But I don't mind telling you, I really did struggle. With the first lockdown, enormously really, personally, I didn't like it. Whereas my wife was very focused into a fitness and she was very positive. I didn't like the fact that I um, just felt uh, split from work and split from staff. And I liked that daily routine. And I really, I really did struggle with it.
0: I'm sure there are many movers that are in the same situation. I mean, the first lockdown, no one really could have predicted what went on. The BAR were absolutely brilliant by giving out all the information as and when they could, which has obviously helped because in the last two lockdowns, removers have been able to continue.
1: Yeah, I I think they they are the industry leaders. and, And I think, you know, they're very well led. To me, it was a great support. And I've also got good support groups. We have like a West Yorkshire moving WhatsApp group with a good few movers on there, you know, all helpful and we all recommend each other. And that was good. A bit of banter. Greg Wildman and Dale Baker are both good friends of mine in the industry and, and we have a good daily banter. And things like that really got me through because we're all in the same ship, same boat. And... We weren't the only one, and it was all unknown to us all, wasn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: But now, would I shut down again? Not if we had to. We've got the correct guidance now. We've been operating since the 18th of May, as we are. We've done over 700 house moves since then, and it's it's worked well. We give the customers the correct guidance. They adhere to the guidelines. My staff know what they're doing, and it has worked really well. It has.
0: So if you could change anything from the past, what would it be?
1: My recommendation, especially someone coming into the industry, was to not start out cheap. I really made that mistake myself because I did work for a cheap mover. And my advice, what I should have done from the beginning, was believe in myself more and market myself to the higher end of the market. When I started, it was a difficult model calling to switch from being cheap in our area to being the most expensive and adding value to that client but we we have achieved it well, but I think I should have believed in myself more, believed in me and sold myself and my people and that is one area I, I do regret that starting out cheap did give me a lot of headaches. So that that's definitely an area that I would have had to have changed. I also regret, Colin, not doing my Class 2, So not giving me another option. I've always struggled with getting drivers over the years. And if I'd have had that to fall back on and had my CPC licence, I feel as though that would have made life a lot easier. But I've, I'm probably more of a, a marketeer, so I'm quite unusual As a removal man, because I've never really done the removals when I started Pollards. I've always built the business with relationships with estate agents, with solicitors, marketing. So I've not been hands-on as much. And I feel if I'd had my class two, my CPC, then I would have been able to do that. And that's one thing I am going to get this year is my CPC become my own transport manager.
0: What about your class two?
1: If time allows and when we're allowed to, I would like it. I would like to do it.
0: It's another feather in the cap at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you are short of a driver, great. You can jump in the cab and off you go. Not yeah. saying that you'd probably want to, but it's another, you know, another feather in the cap.
1: It is. And I've got three trucks and four vans. You know, two eighteen tonners, a twelve tonner. So my granddad's license and the seven half tonner, which I used to own, is no good anymore. So. Yeah, I'd like it, because I've actually always liked driving the trucks in, in the previous years. So, yeah, I think I might look to do that as well.
0: So what is your high point of being in the industry?
1: Well, people have said it before, and I think first and foremost, it has to be the people that I've met in this industry. It's it's an industry like no other. I think somebody said, like, your, your competitors are your friends. And I don't know if there's another industry quite like that. I just feel as though it's unique compared to others. It's not competitive. Everybody wants to help each other. Even when you're quoting for the same job, you're discussing how you would do it or how they would do it and have you got availability. And for me, I know that sounds like an odd high point, but it's friendships, you know, and relationships in this industry. It's just incredible, really. Secondly, I started going to the area meetings of the British Association of Movers, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago, and I suppose the, a high point was like being asked to be chair and area secretary for the Yorkshire region, so I don't know how many positions I hold at the moment, but I must admit the, the Yorkshire region has just been put on the back burner because of the volume of work that we're all experiencing at the moment. It's difficult to arrange an area meeting, but I also get involved on the National Council now, and we've been doing Zoom meetings because of that. So I used to like quite like going up and down to Watford, but I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Maybe they might do an AGM once a year, perhaps, because I do like still meeting people. But yeah, just being asked to take a role in our area, felt very honoured, to be honest with you.
0: What made you become part of the National Council?
1: It was swapping roles with somebody, really, for the area secretary Hannah at uh, White Rose. Right. Then Hannah and Paul, they had a baby, little children take over. So at the moment, I think I'm sitting between both roles. But when we have the next AGM, we'll decide on who's doing what roles in the next um, in the next area meeting because there's some great people, some really great people in our in our area, and some good movers and everybody. Is keen to help each other, and I think lastly, a bit of a high point was winning the BAR Golf Day after not playing for ten months in <laughs> uh, in Bournemouth.
0: That's not the one sponsored by Basil Fry of it's all people, is it?
1: By Basil Fry. To be fair, Greg wasn't much competition, and um, I don't know if he even played that year. And, um, and Pete Dorman normally hits the uh, ball a long way, but he didn't on that day because I also won the longest drive.
0: So when they handed over your trophy or whatever you won on the day, did they have tears in their eyes?
1: No, I think they were good
2: losers.
0: What one thing would you change in the moving industry?
1: Definitely, definitely the public perception of our industry and the value that these places on our services. I struggle on a daily basis. I really struggle with some people that do not see the value. And I always stress to them, you will see the value after we've carried out your service. It's just bizarre. You know, they see a value in estate agents and solicitors, but the most important thing they have to do is somebody has to handle their valued possessions and putting a price on that. It needs clarifying to that customer and it needs selling to them of exactly what you are going to do for that price. But it's just not valued, Colin. It's just not valued. And I don't know if that can be done for the British Association. I don't know if it can be done for the National Association of Estate Agents promoting us, the conveyancing departments. I've tried discussing this with numerous people in the past, and I don't know how that could be improved. But definitely that is one area for me that needs changing is the general public's perception.
0: Is it not a case that we're always looked upon as you may have a a 17.5 ton truck that you want to send out on a job, you might want 1,800 quid for it, but your local man and two vans down the road is going to come in and say, yeah, you can have each one of our vans for 300 quid a day, and therefore 600 quid compared to 1,800 quid. Is it the fact that it's an easy industry to get into and therefore the man and the van is still a remover at the end of the day, but they probably don't have all the services you can offer?
2: Yeah, that that is
1: correct. And in certain instances, the man and van service and option can work. You know, for instance, if they're moving to rental or Absolutely. if they're moving into storage and they don't necessarily want a containerized option, and they've got a bit of time to do that,
0: or they just want a few items moving.
1: Yeah, I'm not dismissing that there's a there's a slot there, there's a gap for that man and van type of service. In fact, we offer it on our website. You know, because there's certain instances where that is an option, but not always. And that sometimes is what I will get across to a customer. I'll explain in detail why, for instance, they've got to get out in a certain time that might not have keys at the other end, you're not allowed to do a certain amount of trips. And then I'll sell what we're going to do, for instance, we'll put up the carpets, pad the banistered, pad the doors, you know, things like that, and I'll add value. And that's what I'll try and do in my sales call, which is more difficult at the moment via WhatsApp or FaceTime. And it's also difficult when you visit a client still and wearing a mask, I don't feel as though you can portray yourself as what we used to be able to do. So it is, it is even more difficult at the
2: moment to actually sell your services.
0: What advice would you give to a young Danny just starting out in the industry?
1: That's um. It's very easy for me, is that, Colin, to be honest with you. It's the people. And my motto has been employ well, treat well, train well, where necessary. In my opinion, your staff are like your family and they're the core of your v- business. And they have as much satisfaction and competition, to be honest with you, between themselves for customer reviews and for that customer to experience that excellent service. That's brilliant, really, for my staff. And that's taken a lot of hard work over the years. And they're all as keen. They put, we have a WhatsApp group between us, and whether we are the best or whether we're not the best, they believe that they are. And That's brilliant, really. You know, the staff are just paramount. I have a a fellow mover who's always said to me that staff are 2 a penny. Completely, completely disagree. You know, you've got to invest in your staff. And admittedly, in this current busy climate, there's one or two staff that I have that I want to invest in with training and with development, but we're that busy that I don't have the time. But when things do quieten down, If, for instance, the stamp duty on Monday when they're they're discussing in Parliament, if they decide not to extend that, I would imagine end of April, May time, it really is going to quieten down in my industry. But thankfully, we've had a really good eight, nine months, and I will be definitely investing again in my staff, whether they want to do their truck licence, whether they want to do some packing courses, whether they want to gain a CPC. If they want to do things, then I will invest in them. So, people, people is very important when you're starting out, invest in the people.
0: Where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years?
1: Good question. Continued growth and recognition of our brand within the Yorkshire region is a must. I I just feel you can never sit back on your laurels and think that you've made it already. I'm constantly wanting to build relationships and that's where i think it counts you know it's become not easy now but the recommendations that we get through from different people on a daily basis are quite it's quite satisfying and does make our job easy because the recommendations come to on a daily basis so we have a certain model i'll expand on that i've got a good friend of mine and I believe this person, Paul Simpson, is another person who was truly behind the success of Pollards. Going back around ten years, we moved Paul, and he approached me to become my business coach. He'd helped grow businesses in the past, and he wanted to help grow my business because he saw something in me. And actually, at the time, there was some also some government grants towards coaching, so I took the plunge. And I worked with Paul, and it just completely flipped my business around. So we've got a success story, and we've got a business model. And I think what I'd really like, I really like working with people. And with Paul and myself, I'd really like to work on a program that's delivering to others in our industry and help grow their business like I've grown mine. Through estate agents, through solicitors, through building relationships, through branding, through marketing, there's a model. But I want to help others in my industry change their model and try to help them. I'd really like to help others now. I would really like to help others in our industry change their business model.
0: Where do you see the industry in five years, though, Danny? Do you see any change in the industry at all?
1: I definitely see change within the next couple of years, you know, with the pandemic of how we operate. I think with the COVID fogging machines, the hand sanitizing stations, the masks on appointments, people have changed. I think it's gonna be quite stagnant for a little while of how we how we are and how people are. But I do still think there's a growth. I'm very positive still think there's a growth in our industry. A lot of people think that it's going to be switched off after when the stamp duty ends. I'm, I'm tending to disagree. I think people will still need to move. And I'm hoping that people will see a value more in our industry. But with the overseas market, with Brexit, we don't really have to get involved with that side of things. I think they will have. A lot of struggles for quite a while. So yes, I think on the overseas and European moving, there'll be a lot of changes, as we're seeing at the moment. But with the domestic market,
2: I'm hopeful that it's going to be strong over the next five years.
0: So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off?
1: Well, don't laugh, but myself and my children do have season tickets for Huddersfield Town. So when the world was a normal place, we'd like to go to matches. And we did take in some away games too. So all the boys, we've got three boys and one girl, they all have season tickets. So we did like doing that together as a family. I love to play golf, but I no longer have a handicap or a a membership calling due to the fact that we have four children. So their activities, the university life, that does take over somewhat. But I've always enjoyed actually over the last, well, 15 years, watching the kids and getting more enjoyment out of their activities. So you don't switch off when you've got four children. <laughs> you know, I do like the um, time with my wife, weekends away. We do like travel. We do like walking. We've got two dogs. A couple of years ago, I had a weight loss by doing hit classes and things like that. So exercise is you know, a big part of our life now and just keeping fit. Outdoors, do love the outdoors, but yeah, time with the family is good. But it's hard to to switch off. I'll be honest with you, it is very difficult. The only one and only time was in 2019, we had the privilege of going to the Maldives, and we only managed to go for nine, ten days. But I, I only ran work once in that time. Now normally, wow, normally I would be on the phone two or three times a day, and they'd just say go away, but
0: Good on you, Danny.
1: But that was amazing. That was a truly life-changing experience. It was a fantastic, relaxing holiday.
0: And finally, I like to end my podcasts with a funny, moving story. Do you have one or more to tell?
1: Well, as I said earlier, Colin, I'm slightly unusual as a removal man because my removals were probably two or three years between 2001 and 04, where I learnt about the industry. Since becoming Pollards, I've really more been involved in building the company, the sales and the marketing, the development. So my earliest stories from when I first set out in the industry, and, and it has to be, I think it was around the second or third move I ever did, actually. And, and I kid you <laughs> not, it would not happen today. I mean, the actual day itself... Was around a 22 hour day to Aberdeen and back, starting at midnight. So it was a setup. So basically, (laughs) it was a real setup, I kid you not. So the evening before, we part loaded around tea time, and then my boss Gavin said to me, Well, don't worry, because the traffic's going to be clear. You just go into the, the last few bits at midnight. Okay, well, no problem. Unbeknown to me, when we got there at midnight, there was two things he didn't tell me. Firstly, we were taking the 85-year-old lady in the truck.
0: <laughs> no, in the back of the van, I hope.
1: Not in the back of the van, Not, although <laughs> she wouldn't shut up for nine hours <laughs> on the whole journey. So maybe she should have been strapped into the back of the van as well, because what <laughs> was strapped into the back of the van was four goldfish.
0: Now, I had I, I just dropped four goldfish into the back of a van
1: with some webbing and, <laughs> a, and a blanket over the top of them, and they were not happy. Oh, dear. But neither was I, and it was middle of December, so the weather was absolutely awful. It was freezing cold, and it was snowing in places on the way up to Aberdeen. So that was just the start of it, really. <laughs> so... We agreed. We didn't know. he just told us that we were collecting the last few items, yet the lady came in the truck with us. So we set off, and after around two hours, alarm bells were ringing a little bit because she was deeply religious, and she was just telling us all about God and how she'd found God over the years, and, and she asked us to pull over after about two hours. And we said, why? We, we don't have to stop until around four and a half hours because I've got tackle off. She said, no, 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 no. I've agreed with your boss that you will stop every two hours. I said, well, what for? She says because I need to say a prayer to the fish. <laughs> so I looked, at, I looked at Barley, who was the driver at the time, and I, thought, and I laughed thinking she, that she was joking, but she wasn't. So we had to stop on the side of the motorway Every two hours, and we had to open up the back of the lorry, and we had to say a prayer <laughs> to the four fish. And she made oh. us clasp our hands. No! I kid you not, she made us clasp our hands. Can you guess what the four fish were called, though, being religious? Go for it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
0: <laughs> now, this is a stitch-up, surely.
1: <laughs> well, we thought it was a stitch-up. She said she'd, she'd had them 15 years. And I don't think they'll have lasted 15 minutes after we'd offloaded those fish, because oh they were God. not happy in the slightest. But so it was quite a peaceful journey on the way back. <laughs> um, but we literally did stop four times on the way up to say a prayer to them. So I always <laughs> remember that. That's one of my funniest memories and an introduction to removals. But could you imagine now doing removals and asking your lads to do that, especially in the middle of December? But even in the middle of the summer, I know the answer to being two words, but the second word off.
0: Asking the lads to do that every couple of hours is just a no no to start with.
1: It's just a no no. You know, yeah. it was just, yeah, it was funny looking back, <laughs> um, but an experience
2: all the same.
0: Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Danny, thank you very much for your time. I truly appreciate you giving up your time this afternoon to record this episode of Moving Matters with me. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you, Colin. I've fully enjoyed it. I was a bit shocked to be asked. I must admit, there's some industry leaders out there, and it was nice. It was really nice to be invited, actually, and nice to, to spend a bit of time out and, and talk about the industry. So I look forward to hearing from it and enjoying the podcast and keep up the good work. I really enjoy listening to them.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate your comments. Thanks, Colin. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 17 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice. And please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Danny Pollard of Pollard's Moving and Storage for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Danny. If you would like to know more about Pollard's Moving and Storage and the services they offer, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.